We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Chapter 4. What a joy it's, uh, it has been studying this book. One of my favorite books in the Bible really amazing study today as we learn about God's sovereignty we learn about man's humility uh, we learn through a carnal king named Nebuchadnezzar who had a, had a problem with pride um, you probably heard the story of the woodpecker who was pecking on the trunk of a dead tree and the woodpecker made it out as what happened a lightning struck the tree And he made it out unharmed. And as he was flying away, he looked back and he said, Wow, look at what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Not knowing it was was the lightning, not knowing it it was the Lord. And I think a lot of times what ends up happening is we, uh, guys especially that find what we would call success in the world's eyes, they forget the Lord. We forget the Lord and we sometimes find ourselves in a place, a position, the peril of pride. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, was a very powerful man. Remember, he built Babylon. And as you study Babylon, it's really fascinating. The, he really did build a, a great kingdom. He had, you guys have ever heard of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon? It was known as one of the ancient wonders of the world. Just absolutely beautiful, amazing, mind-boggling when he made for his wife. Even the walls of Babylon. I don't know if you guys realize this, how thick those walls were. They were so wide that two chariots, they would have chariot races on the walls of Babylon. And we're talking chariots that had four horses pulling those chariots. And so, you know, this guy had so much. He did so much. And, you know, what ended up happening is God is going to use him as an illustration that it doesn't matter what you've done you got to know who you are and you got to know who god is and you got to make sure that you never get caught up in building your own kingdom you got to get caught up in the king the king of kings the lord of lords you got to get caught up in god it's so important we're going to see that today as we go through this amazing chapter because we begin in verse one and he's going to tell his story it says nebuchadnezzar the king To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. Now we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar has a personal testimony to share. Um, we're going to see that God, you know, deals with him in his pride. He humbles him. And then he brings him back to this place of finally acknowledging the lordship of the Lord. That the God of Daniel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible is the only God. He's the real God. He's the all-powerful, sovereign God. He brings him to that place. And so Nebuchadnezzar here, he wants to tell the story. It's pretty cool. He wants the whole wide world to know this truth that he has discovered. And so, notice again there in verse 2, he addresses all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. He wants the whole wide world to know. He wants everyone to know about God. 
And so does God. God wants everyone to know about him, about God. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19? He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, right? The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not willing that any should perish. We want to go to the ends of the earth. We want to go into our backyards. We want to tell the family, the friends, the strangers, the people that we come in contact with. God wants them to know him. We know him, and God wants to use our life in order to reach them. I love the prayer of Psalm 67, verse 2. It says that your way may be known on earth, your salvation to all the nations. See, that's the heart that we need to have. I don't know, are you guys like this? I think when you're a healthy Christian, you end up being like this. You want everyone to get saved and you, you meet somebody and it's almost like the very first thing you wonder in your mind is do they know Jesus isn't that the way it is when you love the Lord but when you don't love the Lord and sometimes when you don't even you know think about it you meet people and it, the, the, the thought doesn't even cross your mind here we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar uh, has this heart you know, for the people to have, notice what he says, peace there in verse 1, peace be multiplied to you. And you know, the only way we're ever going to have peace is through the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, chapter 6, it says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the way that we can have the peace of God is by making peace with God through the cross of Christ. This is what he wants. And I pray that this is what you want for people as well, that you want people to have peace. So important. He wants the whole wide world to know about God. And you know what's kind of cool, you guys, is he's really excited about it. Look at verse 2. He said, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. You know, remember, this section of the book of Daniel was written in Aramaic. And in the Aramaic language, it's literally he's saying, it is my pleasure to tell you. He said, I am delighted to tell you. I, I, I really want you to know this. And man, I'm so excited to tell you this whole thing about my testimony, what God has worked. Notice there in verse 2, for who? For me. Hey, Angel, can you close the door right here, bro? Thanks, bro. Um, what God has worked for Daniel was revealed in chapter 2, and it was kind of cool how the Lord revealed to Daniel the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar was blown away by that. He's like, wow, your God's able to reveal to you the dream that I had. Man, it's an amazing thing. And then in chapter 3, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you guys remember they went into the fire and the Lord was able to help them survive in the fire? They didn't get burned, only the cords that bound them. And, and the Son of Man was there with them in the fire. And he was blown away at what God had done for Daniel, what God had done for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But now something has happened in his own life. And he wants the whole wide world to know. He's so excited to share now his testimony of what God had done for him. And you know, for all of us here, I pray we would never forget the testimony that God 
has given to us, the way that you came to Christ, what Christ has done for your life, that we would never lose sight of that and they would never get tired of sharing the story of what God has done for us. Even if you've only been a Christian for a week, you have a testimony, man, of what God has done for you. I remember when I got saved, set me free from drinking and drugs and sex and violence and you name it, crime. I mean, God set me free even from, you know, cussing. I used to throw out F-bombs. I don't know why, how dumb that is that people do that every third word, you know. There's that word there. Why? And then the day I got saved, boom, I did. I stopped. It was totally God, what God did for us. Our testimony is so amazing, you know. And you might not know a lot. There was that guy, remember in John chapter 9, and, uh, and what ended up happening was Jesus had healed him from his blindness. And so he's there talking to the religious leaders, and they're like, hey, do you, we don't know about this guy, Moses, the Bible, all that kind of stuff, throwing out a lot of religious jargon to them. And then what ended up happening, the blind man, he said, I don't know all that stuff. I'll leave that to you. One thing I know, that I was once blind, but now I see. What God has done for me. See, that's what Nebuchadnezzar is going to share, and it's powerful. And what about you? When was the last time you shared your story of what God has done for you and the things that he used to bring you to him and maybe even the things that he's done since you've been a Christian? We've got to get out there. We've got to tell the gospel. We've got to preach the word, and we have to share the story of what God has done for us. Nebuchadnezzar says, let me tell you about the Most High God. And so he's going to share the story. Look at verse 3. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. And so he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house, flourishing in my palace. And so literally he was at home contented and prosperous. He was relaxing, kicking back and living luxuriously and prosperity. And it says in verse 5, and then I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar. According to the name of my God, and him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, Explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. And, and you know, if you've read Daniel, maybe if you were here a couple of weeks ago, this is so similar to what we read back in chapter 2. You know, the king had a dream, right? And, uh, and it struck fear into his hearts and troubling thoughts into his mind. Um, how many of you dreamed last night? Just out of curiosity. How many of you guys dreamt last night you should all raise your hand right because we all dream every night unless you're weird i'm just joking unless you know you uh, you don't sleep unless you don't enter into rem sleep um we all dream right this guy nebuchadnezzar he had this uh tendency to have some pretty heavy dreams 
Uh, he was on his bed, it says right there, and so more than likely after the dream he couldn't sleep. And he just had these visions, you know, he had these visuals that just terrified him. And so just like chapter 2, uh, he called the wise men in to interpret the dream. But look what we read there in verse 7. It says, and I, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. And so, you know, eventually, look at verse 8, but at last Daniel came before me. You know, at last Daniel came and the king had confidence in him. He knew there was something special about Daniel and he even identifies that something special as someone special and that is that Daniel, he saw it. Daniel had the spirit of the holy God. But we're going to see here that Nebuchadnezzar, as he's telling his story, he's not there yet. You know, he's he's traveling there. We're going to see eventually he's going to come to the place that he needs to be. He's not there yet. And so the king, he finds solace in knowing that the last one to come in, Daniel, is able to interpret this dream. No secret troubles Daniel. And he'd be able to explain the vision, the dream, its interpretation. There was no mystery too difficult for him. No mystery would baffle Daniel. Now before we move on, just as a real quick uh, side note here. I think it's important to note, um, you know, not literally, but what I would call kind of like a deja vu uh, of this whole story right here. Because uh, it's so, like, man, the same as what he's already been through in chapter 2. You know, and, and when we read chapter 2 back then, Daniel not only interpreted the dream, he revealed the dream, he proved himself, and he proved his God to the king. Who then, if you notice even here and back then, promoted Daniel to the chief position. But you know, here's the thing, you guys, and this is why I bring it up. One of the things we learn is that you know, from this whole experience, Nebuchadnezzar didn't learn. He didn't learn, you know, the declaration of Daniel. He didn't learn from the miracle of the Almighty. It's interesting, he still calls Daniel Belteshazzar there in verse 8. Notice he calls him, his name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. And so he's still not there yet. He hasn't learned from the things that God has been trying to teach him, that there is no other God, that your God, uh, whoever it is, uh, Mordach or whatever, he's not the living God. This is the real God, Right? He hasn't learned from the experiences of life. He still calls Daniel about to Shazar. And not only that, you got to wonder why did he call Daniel last? Why did Daniel come in last? Why was not Daniel called in first? You know, we go through situations in life and sometimes it seems like, you know, like God and his word and his counsel are like the last thing we seek. And, and God is saying, I don't get it. Why am I not the first one that you call? You know, this guy Nebuchadnezzar, unfortunately, he didn't learn after all these things. Why wasn't he seriously serving the Lord? Why wasn't he serious in his commitment to the true God? You know, and just, you know, it's always good to search your own hearts. You know, if I could just pose that question to you today, you know, for some of you here, maybe that would be a good question to ask yourself. Why? Why is your walk weak? Why? After everything that God has shown you and proven to you, why is your fellowship with the Father so feeble? Why does it seem 
that God is distant from you and closer to others. I mean, haven't you learned the lessons of the Lord? I mean, you know, you don't have to be far from God. You know, if you're far from God, it's not because he's moved. You've moved. And I'll tell you what, all you got to do is come back to the Lord. You take that step and you're commitment to him and your fellowship with him and you just remind yourself of his love and his cross and his grace and who he is you know we have to ask ourselves why haven't we learned the lessons God's been trying to teach us when he's proven himself sometimes you know looking at these things beyond even a shadow of a doubt Nebuchadnezzar had been shown so much but he didn't respond appropriately so God when in his grace is, is going to deal with him. And so here's the thing, you guys. My encouragement to you is to learn the easy way. What's the easy way? The Bible. Okay, learn the easy way. Okay, you don't want to learn the hard way. What's the hard way? Y'all mess up. You mess up. We mess up in life. You know, I mean, I try not to make mistakes. I try not to mess up. If I do, though, make sure I learn from them. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, I pray that we would always be learning. Always be learning. Nebuchadnezzar, unfortunately, was struggling in this area. God is trying to teach him who he is and who he is, right? Very important. And so we read in verse 10, he, he says to him, This is my dream. These were the visions of my head. While on my bed I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. And the tree grew and becomes strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all the beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens that dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. And so can you visualize a beautiful, just massive tree able to give shade to the animals and, you know, nest for the birds and even to feed, you know, everybody. What an amazing tree, right? But he says in verse 13, I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation but you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. The king tells Daniel his dream about this tree in the midst of the earth whose height was great and it grew and grew and grew strong and the leaves were lovely, the fruit was lush, the animals found shade, the birds found a home, all the people were fed from it. 
But then one day a watcher comes down. Um, now it's interesting, watcher. Uh, we know it's an angel. And the watcher is uh, exactly that, uh, a watcher. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You know, did you guys know that the Bible says that we are a public spectacle to these angels and to these demons? And the Greek word there is theater. Angels are watching us. And of course they knew only what God commands them to do. At this point, this angel, this holy sentinel, this watcher comes down. And, and what does he do? He's commanded to do what? He's commanded to cut down the tree. So that's all that's left is a stump. And then he says something revealing there in verse 15. Look at verse 15. He's talking about the tree, right? But then all of a sudden he says, And let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. And let his heart be changed from that of a man. I mean, he's not talking about a tree anymore, huh? He's talking about a man. Him and his heart and man. And let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. You know, in in, in just, you know, reading the story here, I'll be honest with you guys. Um... You don't need to have a degree in dreams to know what this dream means, huh? I mean, if Nebuchadnezzar told you this dream and you were there, you'd be like, hey, bro, he's talking about you. <laughs> you know, it's not talking about a tree. He's talking about a man, this great man. Is, you know, he's got this great kingdom, right? Um, you don't need a degree in dreams. This is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward stuff. Even the purpose of the dream is there in verse 17, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. You know that the living may know. The dead already know. Those who have died, they know. God's real. God's powerful, right? They know, but the living, they're the ones that struggle, the people on planet Earth. He says they need to know this, that God rules in the here and now, that God rules in his sovereignty in the kingdom of men, in all the countries, in all the churches, in all the planet. He gives those positions to whomever he pleases. We need to know that. Yes, we have an essence of rule, but God overrules. We at times freely vote people into office, but God will use even whom we choose to accomplish his eternal purposes that culminate and come together at the end of the age. You see, one of Nebuchadnezzar's main problems was that he thought he thought too highly of himself and God would have to deal with him and use him as an example. He was caught up in his kingdom, in his dominion, in himself, and not the Lord. You know, he thought he was something special, better than other men, maybe even better than the Most High God. But he was just a little boy in Babylon. See, and, and, and that's where I think a lot of times we struggle. You know, um, we just, man, we get caught up in our own kingdom. We get caught up in ourselves. We get caught up on our own agenda. And God wants to teach us. You know, I put you there in that job. I put you there amongst the family and the neighborhood that you live in. I put you there in that church. I gave you that position. I gave you that promotion. Whoever it is, it can be the president. It could be that individual that works in what we would consider a low-skilled job. There's no such thing. It's all missionary work where God has placed us. You know, he talks about him passing over for seven times. We're not sure if that's seven years 
Some say it's seven seasons. Now, in Babylon, there are only two seasons. And so some say that in the archaeological findings of Babylon that Nebuchadnezzar does mention about a four-year period where he lost it. And so we're not really sure, but we know there's a time where unless you come to this understanding of who you really are and who God really is, God will deal with us. You know, I was reading the other day in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1, I was just always, and I'm sure you're always blown away by this, that the journey from, you know, this place in Egypt to the promised land was only an 11-day journey, but it took them 38 years. They wandered in the wilderness for 38 years. And sometimes I think, Lord, I don't want to wander in the wilderness. I want to, I want to live in the promised land. I want to live in victorious Christian living. I want to overcome. God is saying, you, you just need to know who you are and you need to know who I am. Nebuchadnezzar, you think you're the best? You actually might be the worst. <laughs> Look what he says there in the end of verse 17. He gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. Hmm. I'm great. No, you're not. <laughs> it's kind of funny how we under we, we underestimate, you know, the things that God does. Nebuchadnezzar, you think you're the best, but you know what? You actually are not. You know, all presidents need to know this. Pastors need to know this. Teachers need to know this. Leaders need to know this. We're not there because we're better. We're there because of God and His grace. We're there due to the God's providence and purposes. And how important it is for us never to forget Psalm 75, 6 and 7. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. You know, think about this. If we could just take this into the setting of our country, how different our nation would be if our president, if our governor, if our mayor knew from the deepest recesses of their hearts that they are there because they're not greatest, not because of them, but because God is great that they would know that man didn't put them there, but God did. And they are, they are not to set in motion their own agenda, but they are there to discover the agenda of the God who put them there. If only you know, someone like Obama would realize that he is president for the purposes of God. Think about that. If he really came to understand that as our president, imagine how our nation would change. You know, instead of reading the material he's got from Occidental College or Columbia University or Harvard Law School, he would read the Bible and he would read the book of Daniel chapter 4 and he would understand that, you know, God sets over it the, the lowest of men. It's because of his purposes that I'm a pastor. It's because of his purposes that I'm a, I'm a president. It's because of his purposes that you are where you are today and not your own and that's why it's so important to know his agenda you know i think the interpretation of this dream really is pretty simple but um nebuchadnezzar if i could say this in a nice way okay i don't know if i can but let me just say this okay you ready he was a blind fool (laughs) 
You know, he was, I'm serious. It's like, dude, can't you see what God is trying to teach you in chapter 2 and chapter 3 and now in chapter 4? Just know who you are. You're just a man. You're a wicked, wretched man. We're nothing. We're dirt. We're worth $2.50 of dirt. We're, we're nothing. But, man, you're, you, but you know, the best of men are men at best. And just know who God is. And just know that God put you there. If only he would understand that. To me, the dream is real simple to interpret, which makes me wonder, why didn't the wise men tell him? You know, why didn't they tell him? And I have a feeling they were afraid. Huh? They're like, wow, okay, this big tree right here, you know, uh, it got cut down. So I'm supposed to tell him, <laughs> God's going to cut him down. I ain't going to say that, right? So Daniel here, for the third time, is identified as having the Spirit of God to do what? I think in this time, not necessarily to give the interpretation, although I can't be dogmatic about it, but I think primarily for boldness. I need to tell him. I need to tell this king who, who can kill me in the twinkling of an eye in one eleventh of a second that God's going to cut him down. You know, and, and that boldness, the Bible does say, it comes from the Spirit of God. In the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and did what? And spoke the word of God with boldness. And so I, I think that's where Daniel was. And so he, he speaks in, in boldness, but he does it tactfully as well. I look at verse 19, and then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dreamer's interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. He says, The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their homes. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times passed over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the king. They shall drive you from men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make... You eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you or returned after you come to know, here it is, you got to know this, that heaven rules. And so he gives him the interpretation, and then he adds a little more, uh, a little bit more boldness even kicks in. In verse 27, he says, Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. 
perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. And so Daniel gives him the interpretation. And it's pretty simple. He says, you're the tree. You're going to be chopped down. You're going to be driven from human society for you will lose your sanity. You're going to be homeless and things won't return. They won't be right until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And so he says there in verse 27, you need to know, King. You need to acknowledge. You need to learn. You need to understand that you're not the Most High. You're far from it. God, the Holy God, is the Most High God, and He's the only God. You know, and there's this warning for for those of us who find ourselves maybe living a carnal life, even as a Christian, or living a life of sin, and we, we love it. And God is just saying, you know, I don't want you to have to go through this. I'm warning you, break off your sins. You know, there's a big general description of uh, repentance. And then he says, get specific. Like for the king, it was uh, show mercy to the poor. You know, and if God was talking to me, he would say the same thing. He'd say, break off your sins. And then what he would do is he would begin to meddle with the middle. He would begin to identify specific areas in my life that I need to stop, that I need to drop, that maybe are sins that easily ensnare me. Guys are saying like to me, you know, and I'll just use myself as an example, like how long, you know, how, how many times, when are you going to learn? I mean, this is the way you treat your wife. This is the way you treat your, your, your kids. This is the way you read your Bible. Uh, this is the way you pray. This is the way you live. Uh, this is the way you drive. No more text messaging and driving at the same time. Is that a sin? Yeah, but you guys do it. I don't get it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, like your text messaging and your driving, number one is against the law. I think you're supposed to have, I don't even know for sure. You guys can tell me afterwards, but I don't think you're supposed to be on your phone when you're driving, period. Anyways, uh, so God's just trying to deal with you. And number one, that's against the law. Number two, it's dangerous. And if you keep doing that, you're going to crash. Now, was that God, like, you know, like, you know, sending down lightning on me? No, it was just a natural byproduct. It was just a natural byproduct of this conduct that I was living in. And God says, if you're going to sow that seed, then you're going to reap it. And King Nebuchadnezzar, you think so highly of yourself, and you're so worried about your kingdom. And, and, and I know this might sound like a soft approach, but let me just share this. God is just saying to him, like, don't worry about it. Because if you worry about it, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Your life is in my hands. His life is in my hands. The whole wide world is in my hands. Don't worry about it. Trust me. Trust me. Because if not, you're going to go crazy. And you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe God did send some 
you know, thing down. And, 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 but I think that we can do that to ourselves. We can get caught up in our own kingdom and, and forget the king. And God is just saying, yeah, let me just, let me just, let me be the one to, to show you who I am. And I put guys up and I put guys down and I, I take care of all these things. But you got to get your life right. You got to break off your sins. And they could be a lot of different things. It could be, you know, the big ones like drugs and alcohol. And there's probably some here, you know, indulged in pornography and you're so ashamed of it. And so you never tell anybody about it. But don't you realize that until you come open and, and, you know, just say, hey, I need prayer. I'm struggling in this area with my whatever the drugs or the sex or the pornography or other things then that's the very thing that God is waiting for to help you. Because none of us could overcome those things were it not for God. And we need others in the church to bear one another's burdens. Those things, those sins that you need to break off, they'll destroy you. You know, because I've counseled with people over the past 20 years that have been engaged in pornography. And I have seen the demonic strongholds and the way that it has rooted hearts and ruined marriages. I think people get possessed by such activity. And God is just saying, listen, I don't want you to have to go down that road. Do you know where that leads? Break it off. Whatever it is. You know, like John the Baptist, he told these guys, and some of it is religious stuff too. I mean, the, the Pharisees came, and they were so self-righteous. And, 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 and John the Baptist said, you snakes, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And he wasn't as tactful as Daniel. Everybody's different, by the way. And he just said, you know what? Right now, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. And every tree that doesn't bring forth fruit same thing, I'm going to cut it down, but this time he's going to throw it in the fire. You know, right here, it's kind of cool. God is so gracious with Nebuchadnezzar. He surrounds the stump with bands of bronze and iron so that it doesn't splinter. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. And I would love to say that to some of you here today. God says, I'm going to restore you because you're going to come to this place where you realize who I am. And, and who you are. You know, if we want to be right in God's sight, we need to confess our sin and get specific with him, whether it be showing mercy to the poor or some other things. He will show us those areas of our life that need to change. You know, we're pretty good at seeing other people's sins, but a lot of times we struggle in seeing our own. Well, who sees your sins best? Your wife, right? After her. <laughs> God, right? And so you ask God, God, show me my sin. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, God. Know my heart, try me, test me, and my anxieties even. Interesting. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And then lead me, Lord. Lead me in the way everlasting. You see, Daniel wanted the king to really come to the Lord. But the king did not heed the warning. And so what ends up happening in verse 28? All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. 
the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Oh, we shouldn't have said that. <laughs> While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you. Here it is, until you know, you got to know this, that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. You see, after Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, we read back in verse 5 that he was really afraid. He was really afraid. You know, but we never read that he really repented. Uh, We never read that he was thoroughly convinced of who God was and who he was. He was never truly broken. And if that's the case, when we go through things, and you know, sometimes there's these big heavy situations that shake up someone's life and they get afraid or whatever, you know, but that to just get afraid, to be troubled is not enough. We must be broken of our own will. You know, if I get a pencil or a pen and I put it in my hand and I try to write a letter, that pen, that pencil must be 100% surrendered to my hand. If that pen or that pencil has a will of its own, if it does its own thing, then it cannot be used within my hand. And the same is true for us and God. God is just saying, you need to be, you can't just be afraid. You can't just be superficial. You can't just be scared. You must be broken to my will for your life. To where God says, I call the shots. Let me drive. See, Nebuchadnezzar, he he didn't come to that place. You know, if we don't, and we might do good, and maybe he did pretty good for the next year or so, and, you know, you're looking at whoever it is, sometimes it's your kids or whoever, and you're like, yeah, they're doing pretty good, you know, they're not whatever, and then, but they haven't really fallen in love with God. you got to fall in love with God. God has to be your passion. He didn't fall in love with God. He didn't know God. He didn't... And, and when, it doesn't matter. You might be doing good. But if you don't fall in love with God, then eventually your sin will find you out like Nebuchadnezzar did after a year. And then God had to deal with him in a way that he probably didn't really want to. But now he's forced to. Right? You know, we can't simply be afraid to lose our kingdom. We need to know the king. And I think that that's where, unfortunately, a lot of people, where they they find themselves. In all reality, at the end of the day, all that really matters is how it affects you. How it affects your kingdom. And God is just saying, "Don't, don't worry about your kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything else, it falls into play. You know, what's it going to take to take out the fake 
in many hearts? What's it going to take to break us and make us, you know, not some radical Christian, just a real Christian? Well, that's for radical Christians. That's for Jesus freaks. No, this is where it starts. It starts with, you know, every day taking up my cross and denying myself. It takes, you know, every day I... uh I conduct a funeral service. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Paul said, I die daily. What did he mean by that? Every single day. Right? What's it going to take to reach us and teach us? You know, do we have to go through the things that King Nebuchadnezzar went through? Why not just listen to the Lord and get right with him right now? You know, thankfully, Nebuchadnezzar eventually did. And it's so cool when we read about it in verse 34. It says, And at the end of the time, here it is, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I lifted my eyes. That's all you have to do. Take your eyes off yourself, off other people, off the circumstances, off the thing that the devil is trying to just zone you in on. Lift your eyes to the Lord. Finally, I lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever because His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from generation to generation. He's much greater than me. The kingdom I have, His is forever. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, including me. He does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now, literally in the Aramaic, it'd be like, I don't know if you guys ever do this, you know, but let's just say you moms, you see your, your child going to reach for something and what do you do? Slap his hand, right? Hey, stop it, right? It's like no one can do that to God. No one can say, hey God, you're going for the wrong thing or I'm going to stop you from doing whatever it is you're going through. God is completely sovereign. Right? I mean, he just, he, he realized finally the truth. And so God restored him. At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now, here it is. And here's, it's, it's kind of called now. I'm different. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. And those are the last words of King Nebuchadnezzar. And one day we'll see him in heaven. Because he came to realize you know who God really is. He came to this place of understanding God's sovereignty and the requirement for man's humility. We get so caught up in our kingdom. And it's not just for kings. It's, it's for me. It's for all of us. And God is just saying, don't you know I gave you life. Don't you know that your days are my days? And don't you know 
and I pray we could come to this place where we um where we worship the Lord. You know, that's I guess I guess in one sense that's where we we, we close today. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew twenty three twelve, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, and so we just humble ourselves. And what does that mean? Does that mean we walk around like Eeyore? Woe is me. Yeah, woe is me. <laughs> you don't have to do that, man. <laughs> All it is is real simple. You know what? I ain't, I ain't nothing but a chicken wing, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a guy made out of clay, a dirt bag <laughs> sinner. I, I love the Lord, and I'm trying my hardest. I know who I am, and and I know who God is, and that's why it's important that you really stay focused on God, because every man will eventually, somehow, some way, will fail you. And if your eyes are fixed on man, then you're going to stumble. You know that's. But when your eyes are fixed on the Lord, will Jesus ever fail you? Never. He will never, ever, ever fail you. And so what do we need to do? Here's. Let me just add, give you a little bit of homework. Because every time I try to give you a lot of homework, you guys get mad at me. <laughs> and I give you a little bit of homework. Okay, here's one. For King Nebuchadnezzar, he needed to remember and be merciful to the poor. That was one of the specific things that Daniel mentioned to him. What about your life? What... If you could maybe take this week, take some time to ask the Lord, what's some specific things that it need to change? Things that you put off so that you can put on. Maybe you need to pray more. I don't know. God will show you, okay? And, and then here's some more homework. And here's really important. I want you, to, I want you to, to be able to tell yourself and the Lord who you worship. Now, before you say God too quick, here's how you can kind of tell who you worship. Um, what do you do with your time and why? And then number two, what do you do with your treasure or your money and why? What dominates your thoughts? What's your master passion? What dominates your heart? Really search your heart for those things and prayerfully, you'll be able to say, I worship God. If not, then get rid of the idols. Ask God to show you the logistics and the divine details of how to really, truly worship Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to study your word. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, um, but you want to be forgiven, you want to go to heaven, you know, you come in and, and maybe there's a lot of problems and that's what happens in life when we don't really put God first. That's just the way it's going to be. But here's your chance. Here's an opportunity for you to put God first. If you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to today just receive the gospel which is simply to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus knowing that he died for you on the cross and rose again the third day if you want to know for sure that if you were to die today you'd go to heaven because maybe you don't have that assurance and maybe you will die because no one has tomorrow guaranteed 
if you want to receive the Lord, what I want you to do is just to raise your hand and uh, we're going to pray for you. The most important decision you'll ever make and it's something only God can do. But I tell you what, if you make that choice, the Bible says, as many as received him, to them and give the right to become children of God. The Bible says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. So just want to throw that out there. Is there anyone here that you want to receive the Lord today? You're not sure where you stand. Don't worry about anyone else, man. It's just between you and the Lord. Just raise your hand. And we're going to pray for you. Anyone here? Maybe you're like, well, I, sh- I want to, but I'm embarrassed. Jesus wasn't embarrassed to die for you on the cross. He did it publicly. And so, don't let the devil win. There's a battle going on for your soul. Don't let the enemy have the victory today. If you're here and you want to receive the Lord, just raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. Anyone here? Henry, can you come up, bro? Henry's going to close us in prayer. Let's all stand together. Um, If you, uh, you know, maybe you're afraid to raise your hand, or maybe um, you just, as a Christian, you're struggling, you need prayer. You know, we're going to sing one more song, and we want you guys, if you want, man, come forward. We would love to pray for you. A lot of things going on. I want to encourage the ladies, man, to sign up uh, for that study. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, and just uh, really praying that God will just lead you, guide you, bless you, um, that you'd have an awesome week, that you search your heart, do your homework. And I think that if you do your homework, you're probably going to get, like, some brownie points in, in heaven or something, man. Um, But God is good. God is good all the time. So we're going to have Henry close us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, so much, God, for uh, your amazing grace, for your love, Lord, for your sovereignty, God, for your word, Lord. What a convicting and powerful uh, passage, Lord, we read today, God. How we, Lord, we really need to seek our heart, uh, Lord, and, and really ask ourselves who who are we worshiping Lord help us God we know that apart from you we could do nothing including worship you God and so we just pray just for an outpouring of your spirit in our lives Lord that as we walk out here God we wouldn't be doing the same thing we wouldn't be bumping against the same walls Lord but that you would lead us in your path God we thank you so much help us now Lord to worship you in spirit and in truth help us to follow you God with all our heart we love you and we pray these things in Jesus name We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.